Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Let's go ahead and take a moment to pray and we'll dive into the message uh, for just a couple minutes this morning. Father, thank you for today and for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. And thank you that uh, you are our hope. You are our hope of the ages. Thank you that everything that was promised, everything that was prophesied in scripture is fulfilled in you. And thank you that every need that we have, every, every cry of our heart uh, finds its fulfillment ultimately in you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to see and to recognize the faithfulness of our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Jesus at the, the Last Supper. That's what we saw last week. Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and they are having a meal together. And Jesus does a lot of teaching that you can find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Jesus has given them a lot of promises. And one of the things that we've seen Jesus do was we've seen Jesus uh, wash feet. So Jesus has served his disciples, and we talked a little bit about that on, at, during a life group about just how Jesus served, and we've talked about it on Sundays about what that meant um, in the culture of Jesus' day, uh, to serve people, and Jesus has served his disciples, he has taught his disciples, he's predicted uh, the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, and now Jesus looks over to Simon Peter, and he predicts to Simon Peter Peter, you are about to deny that you even know me. Can you, can you imagine with me for a moment how, what, what Peter's reaction might have been like? Peter's been walking with Jesus for the last three years, and he's seen Jesus do a lot. Peter has walked on the water with Jesus. Peter has seen Jesus transfigured. We talked about that for, for several weeks earlier this fall. Now, Peter cried out to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Jesus, you are God. You are, you are the son of God. You are the lamb of God. And we've seen Peter uh, declare and speak out about his loyalty and his love for the Lord Jesus. And now here at this last dinner, Jesus looks over at Peter and says, Peter, you're about to deny the fact that you know me. Talk about, talk about failing. Talk about, talk about messing up. Uh, talk about, could you imagine for, for someone, for someone that you love, someone that you care for, to, to completely deny you, yet Jesus is saying, this is what Peter is going to do. And in fact, we're going to study this in a couple of weeks, but that is exactly what Peter does. Peter denies the fact that he knows Jesus. Uh, Peter pretends like he's not a follower of Jesus. Peter pretends like he, had, Peter says that he wants nothing to do with Jesus to save his own skin. And whenever I look at that, whenever I look at Peter, and, and I think that especially if you've heard this story before, if you've heard about Peter's denial of Jesus before, then you've probably thought, man, what a mess Peter is. Uh, what an, what an, can we just be honest? We might say, what an idiot, uh, what an idiot Peter is to do all of these to, to do this, to, to know, to see Jesus transfigured on the mountain where he saw Jesus, uh, the glory of God shining all over him. Peter has seen Jesus uh, feed the multitudes and, and cast out demons and heal the sick. Peter has seen Jesus do all of these things and now he's going to fail him and he's going to let him down. And then I thought about uh, the, the song that we've, that we've been singing every single week, Hope of the Ages. 
And, I've been, and we've been talking about all of these different people, Abraham and, and Jacob and Judah and David and all of these characters. And, and maybe you're not super familiar with these characters, but, but can I tell you something? These characters were messed up. You know, a lot of times I can look at scripture and I can, because they are Bible characters and, and, and growing up in church, I would hear, you know, the Bible stories and the Bible heroes. I would look at these characters and think, man, these guys are like, okay, I know that they're not God, but they're like, they're like almost, they're almost perfect. And, and if those characters did something that I, then I should do something. Man, those guys were messed up. All right. We, we say, we say, uh, Isaiah's great light. All right. If you read the book of Isaiah, which I, I'm not as familiar with Isaiah, uh, but I do know this, that in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah spends the first five chapters of his book telling everybody, woe unto you. He said, shame on you. Shame on you for this. Shame on you for that. You guys are messed up here. You guys are messed up there. And then in Isaiah 6, he meets God. And then he starts saying, oh, shame on me. Shame on me. Shame on me. I, I'm, a, I'm a mess. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah had, had some issues. Uh, whenever I think we say Abraham's offspring. Now, if you're not familiar with that, uh, stick around at New Life because we're going to cover that. We're going to cover that in 2021. But Abraham was an old man with an old wife, Abraham and Sarah. And I understand that whenever we're introduced to them, their names are Abram and Sarai, but I'm going to mess it up if I try to, if I try to say that. So I'm just going to say Abraham and Sarah. But God calls Abraham an old man and he says, hey, listen, I want you to follow me and I'm going to give you and your wife in your old age where you're physically incapable of having children. You're going to have a son together. And through your son, you are going to, your son and your family is going to become a nation. And through your nation, through your family, the whole world is going to, is going to be blessed by me. And we know that that's through Jesus. Because of Jesus, we who are not uh, Jews, we are made God's, uh, we're made God's children, a part of God's family. So Abraham's this special person, and Abraham was a special person, and I think that there's so many great qualities to learn from Abraham. Uh, so, but did you know that Abraham, uh, he traveled from place to place, and everywhere that he went, he would tell his wife, hey, listen, whenever we go into town, I want you to tell everyone that, that you're my sister. Because, because if, someone, uh, if somebody wants to, to marry you, I don't, want them to, I don't want them to kill me. If the king sees you and wants to marry you, I don't want him to kill me. So, so let's just pretend that we're not married so that somebody else can take you. Like, I don't know about you, but if you're married in here and your spouse said, hey, let's pretend, let's pretend when we go into town that we're not married. All right, there's, there's, usually, problem, <laughs> there's usually problems, right? And everywhere he goes, he, he, he says that, and multiple times, someone takes his wife and tries to marry her, and God intervenes. God made a promise, hey, I'm going to, through your marriage, you're going to have a son, and they mess it up. On top of that, Sarah gets this idea. She tells Abraham, hey, I have this, I have this maid, I have this maid, why don't, you, why, don't you, uh, why don't you sleep with her and have a son with her? That, that's a bad idea. All right, that's a bad idea. And in fact, Sarah later, she, she gets mad at Abraham for that. I can make so many jokes. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but I won't, I won't. Um, so, but, but they're messed up. I think about Jacob. Jacob's very name means deceiver. Like his whole life is, is categorized by deception after deception after deception. Uh, then there's, there's Judah. Judah, uh, Judah, I think you can read about it in Genesis. I believe it's chapter 38. Judah has a, has a son with his daughter-in-law because he thought that she was a prostitute. Like, these people were messed up. 
And then there's David, which David is is the great king of Israel. Like every king after David is compared. Like when scripture writes about a king, it says, you know, this was a good king like David, his father, or this was a bad king, not like David, his father. All right. So David is kind of the gold standard. David is the gold standard of kings. And David committed adultery uh, with one of his closest friends and soldiers' wife. And then he arranged the execution of, of this friend. Uh, they, they, like all these characters were messed up, unfaithful people. And then we get to our text today and we see Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers. And here we see a messed up, unfaithful person. Look, can I ask you, do you see a pattern here? You can go, walk from Genesis 1 all the way through. And what you find time after time after time is unfaithful people until Jesus steps in. Until Jesus is born and lives the perfect life that you and I could never live. This world is broken and it's broken by unfaithful, broken people. But that's the world that Jesus entered. That's the world that Jesus comes into. Jesus steps into a broken world and he lives the faithful life that you and I could never live. You and, I could never, you and I could never be faithful to what we are called to be. How many of you recognize that? Hey, I can't get out of my own way. We're broken people. Yeah, Jesus steps into, steps into our mess. He steps into our world and he goes and he perfectly lives out. He perfectly lives out what God has prescribed in his word. He goes and he lives that life full of, uh, full of compassion and love and justice and holiness and all of it. He lives all of it. And now he, here, here he is with his closest followers on the night before his crucifixion, encountering their brokenness. Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial. And Jesus stands before them as a faithful, loving, compassionate, holy God. And that's the reason why he was born. That's the reason why he came. Jesus came and was faithful because you and I never could be. And he died on the cross so that he could make an exchange with you and with me. And he says, hey, I've lived that faithful life and I'll trade. You give me your, your unfaithfulness. You give me your brokenness. You give me your sinfulness. And I will give to you my righteousness. I will give to you my forgiveness. I will give to you uh, my holiness. I will give to you all of those things that you could never be, all those things that you could never have. You were the enemy of God, but because of Jesus, because Jesus lived the faithful life, because Jesus lived the perfect holy life, he says, hey, I'll make a trade. And hey, you, you, you're broken, but hey, I love you. So Jesus came and he, he took our place and he was our representative before God. So then he died on the cross. And the reason why he died on the cross was so he could be the substitute, so that he could be the payment for your sins and for mine. Because the wages of sin, the penalty for sin, the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Jesus made a way for you to be forgiven. Jesus made a way for you to be made whole. Jesus made a way for you to be a child of God. And for those of us who know Christ as Savior, what we celebrate at Christmas is that when we couldn't be faithful, God came and was faithful on our behalf. That's why Jesus came. So as Jesus stands before Peter and predicts his denial, here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, Peter, you're not going to be faithful. You're not going to be faithful. And I'm going to die to be faithful on your behalf. My friend, maybe you're here today and you, 
and you recognize that you are a broken person, you're a sinful person, and you have never received the forgiveness that Jesus offers. You have never received the grace that Jesus offers. You've never received his payment for your sin. Today is the day that you can receive that payment. If you understand that, that as a sinner, what we deserve before God is to be eternally separated from him. But Jesus was separated from God. Jesus was separated from the Father when he died on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he, he took that punishment, he took that penalty that we deserve to pay, he took that on our behalf. He died on the cross, he was buried, and then he rose again to give you new life in him. And if you recognize that, Pastor, I've never received Christ, I've never received his payment, the forgiveness that he offers, then today's the day that you can do that. Today's the day that you can put your faith and trust in what Jesus accomplished on the cross for you. And if you've never received him, then you can receive him today. And if you are a believer, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, here is the application of Jesus's faithfulness. Because Jesus was faithful on our behalf, now that we are in Christ, he makes us and he molds us and he shapes us into the image of Christ and he makes us more faithful. He makes us, he makes us faithful. So maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart and recognizing, hey, I'm an unfaithful person. I'm an unfaithful person, but I recognize that Jesus was faithful on my, on my behalf as a believer. Hey, the Holy Spirit can make you and shape you and mold you into being faithful. Not, because, not through your own effort, not through your own willpower, but through the empowering of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. He can make you more faithful as you follow, as you follow him. But if you've never received Christ, if you've never received Christ, he offers you forgiveness. He offers you grace. He offers to make you a part of his family. And if you've never trusted him, then I hope that you will receive him today. If we could all please bow our heads and close our eyes for a word of prayer. We're gonna have an opportunity and we're gonna finish with a song and uh, a time of prayer and of worship. And if you would like to respond to the message, then you have the opportunity to do that. But if you would pray with me, Father, thank you for, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you were faithful on our behalf when we, when we never could be. While we are all broken people, we're, we're, broken, we're broken spouses, we're broken parents, we're broken children, we're broken uh, employees, we're, broken, uh, we're just broken people. Thank you that you, you stepped in, into our mess, into our world, and you lived the perfect, faithful life that we never could. And thank you that now as believers, you are transforming us, you are molding us, into your, into your character, into your likeness. Lord, I ask that if there's any person here today who does not know Christ as their own Savior, I pray that they would receive you today, that they would receive that free gift that you offer. In Jesus' name, if you would please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a, mo for just a moment. If you'd say, Pastor David, I know that I've never received Christ. I've never received the payment, his payment for my sins. Uh, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but I would like to do that today. I would like to receive Jesus as my Savior today. Would you just raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. I won't embarrass you or call you out, but if you say, Pastor David, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. If you would just raise your hand for just, for just a moment. Thank you so much. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to take a moment now to pray, and if you've never received Christ and you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior today, 
that I'm going to lead you in a prayer and understand that the words that I say, there's no magic in them. There's no, there's no, there's nothing special about the words that I say, but if from your heart, you recognize that Jesus died, was buried and rose again to pay for your sins. And you would like to receive his forgiveness for your sins. Uh, then pray this prayer with me from, from your heart, from your heart, understanding that it's not the words that I say, but it's what you mean from your heart when you pray this prayer. If you would like to receive Christ as your own savior today, pray this with me. Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that you died on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. And Jesus, I, I accept your forgiveness. I believe in your goodness that you died and rose again for my sins. And I choose now to, to follow you. Forgive my sins and give me eternal life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior today, fill out on a connection card, write, I received Jesus today. And we would love to help you grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And because Jesus was faithful, we who are unfaithful people can come to him. So let's all stand together and close with this final.